Hello, and welcome to What is Wrong with Hiring, the podcast where we talk about why hiring people and getting hired are both somehow absolute nightmares. I'm your host, Laura Klein. Please be advised, this podcast may contain drinking, swearing, and screaming into the abyss, so pretty much like most podcasts. My guest today is Emmy Southworth. Uh, Emmy is a principal product manager at Lendio, and Emmy is absolutely hiring. So just keep that in mind if you're looking for a new job, which I think, I don't know, 90% of the industry is right now. So uh, today, Emmy and I are going to be talking about, oh, something that is near and dear to my heart, which is, you know, why, why is it so hard to hire UX designers? And, uh, you know, why has it always been so hard? And Emmy actually has a really interesting process that I think has made it a little easier. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. I mean, I'm not going to say that the the actual process is easy. I'm going to say that you you have a very clever solution to this. Welcome, Emmy. It is so good to have you. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me to the show today. Yeah, no, it's I, I'm so excited to talk to you. So first of all, let's let's dive into the big questions. Um, why is it hard to hire UX designers? Why why are, are we thin on the ground? Are we just are we all awful? What is it? <laughs> uh, definitely not not awful. I think obviously supply and demand. There's not enough designers for what the tech industry needs. That's that's probably the major issue. And yeah. the second issue is qualified designers. A lot of times this position, just because of the nature of it, is more senior, especially when we have a lot of startups or smaller tech companies that that need more mature designers and less less large companies that are available to hire more junior positions. And so I think that's part of part of the issue. It's not just the supply of junior designers, it's a supply of of qualified senior designers that are ready to come in and can work the harder problems. Yeah. It's so it's so tricky having been, you know, the only designer or, you know, one of two at a company, that is just such a very different experience than going into place with, you know, two or three hundred designers that you can learn from and experience. And you just need a whole different level of maturity and ability and problem solving um, for, for that kind of thing. Uh, what, what have you done to, to try to make it easier? What are, what are some of the things that you've tried? Maybe some that have worked and haven't worked. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. So one thing I noticed when I was head of design that we, we kind of reached a limit where we weren't getting enough candidates to fill the positions. And so we decided that we, we had 12 designers at the time and we felt like we could start to help those designers become managers as well and start to like flex a little bit of leadership. And so, and we could, we had time to mentor. So it was time to start a mentorship program. So we, we first started with an intern program from a local school and it actually did not work really well. It was a lot of overtime trying to manage individuals that were trying to check off the intern box because they thought that was, that was the path towards career growth and they weren't super invested in our company. And so after about six weeks, we just asked the school to stop the program. And so I decided to kind of revisit and think through why it didn't work and why, what we really needed. And the thing we needed as a company was a commitment to help us as the design team meet, meet the bottom line. Like we had deliverables and we had key metrics that had to be, had to be met. It wasn't just teaching other designers. That's, that wasn't the objective. You're not um, a school. You're actually a business. And yes, with only yes. 12 of you, that often means you're spread a little thin, depending That's on right. how, how many right. teams you're supporting. Yeah. Um, and so 
I I had moved to another company and I decided I'm like, okay, I I need someone else to to come on and help me. Part of it was budget. We didn't have budget to hire another senior designer. So I had to be creative. How do I get a quality junior designer that's committed here? That's not another another intern. And I came across um a concept of an, an apprenticeship. Hmm. And thinking through like the a journeyman in in um let's see, in carpentry or electricians, that you will you will go through a phase of your career. It's about a two-year phase of partnering with someone as an apprentice and learning from them, watching what they do. But you're also getting paid and you're also delivering on the job and working in real life experiences. And your goal there is to come out with a certificate or capable career so you can either be hired by that company or can or go look at other work and you can't you can't get hired until you finish that apprenticeship and achieve right. a journeyman or a master's level skill. And I realized that UX design was was very much skill-based. And it's it's not just being able to create an interface or design a layout like that's or in the early years, being able to code, <laughs> code a prototype. <laughs> exactly. Right? That's, I mean, that, that's how I got into it. <laughs> <laughs> so, did, so did I. Yeah. But that's not the only skills that need to be learned. It's not just the visual application. The, the real trick is learning how to problem solve and get down to the real problem that's, that's trying to be addressed to create value. Mm-hmm. That's what a designer really needs to do. And that is difficult to learn at a boot camp or in school until you're on the job and you've got real world problems to solve and work through. So this apprenticeship program, I created a contract and it said, this is what we as the company will teach you in this six month program. Here's the curriculum you will have. And that curriculum is you will, you'll have experience working with development teams and having learning technical constraints. You'll be able to do user research. You'll be in charge of your own projects. You will be held accountable by your mentor for delivering on time. And then you agree to us that you will commit for the next six months to work with us mm-hmm. and to work as a paid employee. Um, and here's your that's, pay rate. That's important. That's very yes. important because yes. that six months is, yeah, you can't, <laughs> no working for free. <laughs> and then we, we said, we do not guarantee a job after this, but we do guarantee that you will come out hireable. You will have solid portfolio pieces and be able to be be hired in the UX career. And so um, I hired my first, first apprentice. She was at a boot camp in New York. She had previously been an architect for 10 years and decided to change because it just didn't move fast enough for her. So she had the, she had the basis of principles and design. Mm-hmm. And then um, what I started out with was small projects. I think as a carpenter, I would like, here, put the nail here as we're framing the house. So same thing with UX. Okay. Uh, designed this drop down so it matches the brand and mm-hmm. that's a sm- very small task and then it would be checkups very often and then we I started to create projects that would have less supervision and less constraints identified that she would need to go figure out and I would watch her to the point where she was getting frustrated and maybe failing almost and I wouldn't step in to help I would let her flounder a little bit more and maybe give a little hints and then she would come up with a solution. And it was like this aha moment. And just, she realized she had succeeded at something very hard that she didn't have that skill to do before. And so the next project, and I would, after she like floundered for a little bit and was getting frustrated and she solved it, I explained, I did that on purpose. 
that was part of the apprenticeship to teach you how to problem solve mm-hmm. without someone giving you direction on how to fix it. And I got to say, so, that is so hard to do just from the, from the master side, from the, from the non-apprentice side, that is so hard to let them just not fail, but flounder. I think flounder is a great word for yes, that. Like yes. just struggle a little bit. Like it's, and it, it hurts. Yeah, the <laughs> hard part in, is in working for a business, an actual paycheck yeah. is like, you don't have the opportunity to fail, right? That's, I think that's where a junior designer, we don't hire a lot of them because it's expensive mm-hmm. to have those failures. And so mentoring someone, but specifically setting up projects where it's okay if they flounder for a bit, they have the time mm-hmm. to go figure it out. And then the next project I gave her, we shortened the time frame. Mm-hmm. Same same kind of loose constraint, shorten the time frame, And so she gets faster at figuring out the true problem she's trying to solve and if her solution is effective. Yeah. And so at the end of the six months, um, she got hired to the senior position for a large <laughs> portion. For someone company. else entirely. Oh. Yes. And I was so mad. I'm like, no, you were like, you, I groomed and made this the perfect. Anyway, so it was good. You, I was so proud. So proud of her. So every position I've been in as a head of design and, and even in product now, I have tried to create this concept of an apprentice program where we can feed, we can feed into both the industry and also into our, our base. And what it does is that uh, those that are like beginning to get into leadership, it teaches them how to mentor someone, but still give that person their, their leadering, their leadering, their leading, <laughs> give them autonomy. That's, I think uh-huh. that's a key to job satisfaction and success is if you learn as a leader how to create autonomy for your team. Well, and it's, it's amazing if you're also te- like, as you say, you know, you're teaching your team to work with folks to do this because you're then having to coach almost at a skip level, which that's right. I mean, I just, I want everybody who's listening to understand that this is, um, I joked about this not being easy. This is next level management stuff. But being able to not just coach the person, that's that's a whole thing to learn. Like there's a whole educational process to learn and to set up and then teaching somebody else to be able to do that and coach them and understand the process. None of that is easy, but it sounds really valuable in growing new designers. Sadly, not for your company. <laughs> I guess some, that's some the have, next step. Some yeah. have come onto the company. Oh, that's right? marvelous. So my, my first yeah. apprentice, though, I was, I was happy. I'm like, we succeeded. We like the the purpose of the apprenticeship worked, yeah. and that just made me very excited about addition, managing other people in the future. And I I just want to talk about like where I learned that concept. It was my degrees in art education, so mm-hmm. I wanted to become an art teacher because I'd had a great experience with an art teacher in high school. And um, what I noticed in in art education, I taught in elementary and junior high school a lot of people's creative abilities get thwarted by people coming telling them how to solve the problem. Yeah. Whether it's the parent or the teacher that says you need to color that sky blue or, and just telling them and it, it completely sucks the creative juice or desire out of people to tell them how to create. True story. So like that that yeah, is true the story. joy. In fifth- yeah. <laughs> in, in, fifth grade, in fifth grade, I was told I used too many colors. <laughs> Why? Why? <laughs> I, I used too many colors. I colored in a map. I used too many colors. I was, it was explained to me, though, that is too many colors. You have used too many colors. They don't go together. Um, 
I am now extremely uncreative. I don't know that I'm not going to blame it on that. I mean, I, I sometimes kind of do. Um, I just like to say, I don't. I, nowadays, I'm kind of like, I'm not sure there is such a thing as too many colors. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but I, I think the creative field is somewhere where divergent thought needs to be yeah. nourished and encouraged. And there's a time when it needs to divergent needs to converge into a solution. But it, you will create the same thing as everyone else if you don't allow your design team to actually have a divergent thought and have the freedom of not being constrained and criticized to solve the problem. That That mm-hmm. is problem solving. Yeah. So yeah. taking that concept of like, we don't go and critique people's creative abilities. We do the same thing in, in design and that's where managing a designer and figuring out how to like build that in a team to be more creative, creating solutions that haven't been thought of in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. That's what gets the return on an investment of the design team. And it's it's a design manager clearing that space for that team to grow and thrive. And I and I love the focus on the problem solving too, because I do think that there is the tendency, especially for newer folks, to um to sort of expect the design brief. You know, like if you like alter you know, if you do it in school or you go to, a, you know, you get a design brief, go design this thing. You start working with a product manager, maybe who has a real strong opinion. It can, you can sort of turn into, um, you know, a, a production, you know, a production person, which nothing wrong with that. Like that's, if that's what you want to be doing. But when I think about UX design um, or product management, quite frankly, right, it's a process of figuring out the problems and figuring out the solutions together and that's a different skill than here. This is a perfectly understood problem to solve. And here is the correct solution. Go implement it. Uh, find a start there. I think it's great. I love the idea of starting there. And then, but you got to start letting, you got to start letting go and teaching them to expect to have to do that. You know, otherwise I think it's really unfulfilling personally. I mean, Maybe that's just my own bias. <laughs> it's not really just to draw just to draw pictures of other people's ideas. I don't want to do that. <laughs> no, no, no one wants to do that. That's uh... <laughs> that's not. Fun. That's do why you... I'm in design because I I love <laughs> thinking through and creating ideas. That's that's why it's yeah. fulfilling. Yeah, that's the fun part, right? I I do want to ask one thing, and we we didn't go over this earlier, so I'm gonna I'm gonna throw out okay, a little bit of a little bit of a curveball um because it's something i just thought of like i've noticed your your title is principal product manager so it sounds like you've you've crossed over to to product management that's right that's right okay. um about three years ago i was head of a design at a company and we had lost our vp of product and my product manager one i was working closely with had gone on maternity leave so we suddenly had a vacuum of no product management mm-hmm. and at that time I realized that we had about 12 weeks where our dev teams would just, we would suddenly like stop producing. No, no one was coordinating things. And so as head of design, I'm like, I'm going to stop, step in and create this vision Mm -hmm. of where we're going to go. I'm going to outline the steps of how to get to the next, the next place, how our release phases and what we're going to do, because we were right in the middle of a a large um, rebrand. Mm-hmm. And reimagining the project, we had just done a massive research phase, and I'm like, oh my gosh, all of my efforts are going to like just stop abruptly if I do not figure out how to get the company moving, especially the design and development side. And so I did that, and we 10x numbers with our first release, and I'm like, 
I'm like, whoa, that was actually really fun. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. And so I ended up moving, moving companies about a year later and I was hired on as a director of product management to kickstart from the, like a ground up a startup within a larger corporation. Mm-hmm. Um, worked on that for a little bit. Unfortunately, I experienced long COVID, stepped back Oof. from that. Woof. Yeah. Um, Oof. And was able to still stay on as a product management role, but just reduce it to, not reduce it. Principal product manager just means I can influence a lot in the company. Yeah. Um, I still have my own product line that I'm running mm-hmm. and I love it. Like I love being able to create the space for designers, being able to uh, be able to measure, get into the data. I don't know. I suddenly started geeking out on the spreadsheets. It's, from so, the design it's side. so funny seeing designers discover numbers and I'm like, mm, join us. I'm, I'm very, <laughs> I think, I, I've always loved qual. And then as soon as I found out about quant, I was like, Oh, but these work very well together, do they not? <laughs> yes, they do. So it's oh. Very, very exciting. I so love I love seeing that. Can that. Come. Yes. Oh, so it's yeah. for me, it was just very satisfying taking my career of being able to manage designers, but also in the startup world of creating products and take huh. take the product manager and say, I want to create a successful team where designers are enabled, work well with their product, product managers, dev teams are creating great, um, great products at a good pace. Like we're not overwhelming anyone, but we're well organized. It just, it, it, I guess the management portion of from design management into product management and product leadership was a really natural transition. I think once I got there. Yeah. A lot of places that's true. I think that at the high level, I mean, especially when you're talking about like problem solving, like I said, you know, like if, if your view of a designer is solving problems and reducing uncertainty and exploring, you know, ideas and understanding what works and what doesn't, I mean, that sounds a lot like what we do in product management as well. I'm, I'm actually curious if you've ever, like, if you have similar approach to hiring product managers or if you find that different at all. I'm sort of curious about both if um if you if you want to talk about that. Um yeah, I actually ended up hiring five product managers on this my very first product position. And some were some were a bit more junior, some were more experienced. And I I think I I'm definitely still learning that aspect and definitely watching um I got a great VP of product right now that is just a fantastic mentor. Mm-hmm. And I'm I'm watching him train the entire product organization to level everyone up. That's his end goal. And so he's what he's done is he he's gone through and defined what success looks like in our job role. And mm-hmm. then he's he's not coming in and telling us what to actually create, but he's holding us accountable for delivering on on the numbers. But yeah. he's broken it down into like here's the qualitative ways and and how to do your job to improve your numbers. And it's he holds a weekly training and it's fantastic. I'm just, I'm paying very close attention because I know like, I'm like, this is my career path. And I really want to take, take his approach of, of just a fantastic teacher. That's really, yeah. it's really what he is. And everyone just wants to level up because they want that A grade from the teacher, right? They, they want that, like, you did that well, great job. Yeah. But he's, for him, what he's measuring, he's measuring the right things. He's very mm-hmm. careful in what he measures. So it's, the company succeeds when the product team is doing their job well. Yeah. It's so, it's so interesting because I'm, I'm hearing these, ver- these patterns across both 
teams. And honestly, having, having worked in engineering, I think it actually is very true for engineering too, that it's just, <laughs> it's making sure that the people are at the right level and that they're getting sort of the right opportunities to stretch and learn and sometimes maybe fail a little bit and, and get better and improve. And instead of trying to go out and hire that, you know, like super senior, like if, if you've got this all set up, if this is all working and set up, I, you know, and you've got a team that can all do this, instead of going out and, you know, having to hire that, I don't know, ninja rock star guru, you know, super senior, 20 years of experience person, you can take somebody and grow them into whatever, whatever it is that you need them to be by making sure that they're focused on the right things, they have the right level of responsibility and, um, you know, that they're getting that feedback. And that's so important. And it's, it doesn't feel like it's part of hiring, but it is a hundred percent part of hiring. <laughs> because if you, if you don't have that, you have to hire entirely differently. It's, it's honestly, if you hire someone and they don't know what they're being measured on or what success looks like for them, you're going to have a large amount of turnover. Mm-hmm. So having yeah. job definitions for different levels, how someone progresses from one level to the next, not not just only in pay, but also in how do I succeed at my job? What does that look like? Yeah. What is this, what um, what soft skills do you need me to learn to get better? It's, yeah, I think that's key to hiring, and then it's easier to go through and do evaluations of of candidates, and you can say, yeah, they've got. 10, 10 of 10 of these skills, or this person has five of the 10, where are they missing? Can we, do we have the time to mentor them? Or should we look at this other candidate that's got maybe even less skills, but she has the ones that we don't need to, we don't have time to mentor in. Yeah. I think oh, yeah, we've, yeah, that, that finding that, that balance on the team of maybe this person is super senior, but they're super senior at a thing that I don't really need because I've got three other people. Um, so exactly. Yeah. Kind of meshing. That's, that's such a good thing. And, and having, I love the idea of the apprentice program, just being able to get people to where they need to be. Um, but yeah, it, it does take, it takes a lot of, a lot of effort up front. I just want people to, to know that and not be afraid of it. Um, cause it's such a huge payoff. Um, you told me that you have some, um, some, some great recruiting stories. So some things that you, did, <laughs> that you did a little differently and I would, I would love to hear those. They were, it was, it was during a time where it was definitely, um, the candidates market. So they, mm-hmm. they could be picky and choosy. Which Relatable. It, oh yeah. <laughs> it's like, it's like house buying right now. You've, you've got to have your offer in hand ready before you can go and see the house and you know <laughs> you like it. So we, we were hiring for um, remote locations, but we wanted to connect them with the team. So we flew in a candidate um, from Minnesota. And we, I live in Utah where we have fantastic skiing, great mountains. And we really wanted this candidate. He had a great portfolio. He had done a great interview, but he was like on the fence if he wanted to join mm-hmm. the company or not. So I went to REI, the store, and rented snowshoes. And we went snowshoeing for the candidate's interview. Nice. And we, I'd plan like, we, we'd go up the trail and get to the peak and it'd be fun. But instead, what we did is we just ended up like rolling in the snow and jumping off mounds of snow. And the, there was so much laughter and fun. And after that interview, the candidate's like, yeah, your team is like, awesome. And my whole team was like, that was the funnest thing I've ever done. Like it, it was building the team com- camaraderie yeah. in the interview process. 
Mm-hmm. And That's then I had so- another candidate that uh, I did something similar, but I, I knew that he loved rock climbing. And so for our interview, we went past the prime rock climbing spot in Utah <laughs> up to lunch in Park City so he could see all the opportunities there. I was, t- it was totally, I had to be a really good sales salesman on this job. Yeah, it and, sounds like that's so funny that you're just like, oh, let's let's just go to lunch at this great place that I know of. Oh, look over there. Look, wouldn't, doesn't that bouldering look nice? Mm, I'll bet that that would be fun. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Trying to sell them on like, well, first, like some of them had to move like from the East Coast here. Mm-hmm. And then others just needed to know that the team was, I, I kind of like did some background research on more than just the candidates portfolio mm-hmm. on their yeah, their interests, and then what, like. what were they looking for with the company? What- I'm trying to think what would work on me, and I think it's like if you drove me, you know, like on a little tour, it's just like, oh, look, there's some um, that we there's that artisanal chocolate shop over there, and oh, oh, this is a really good local coffee place. <laughs> and, <laughs> and look, look, oh, they do the best pedicure. So I just I'd be like, well, okay, oh, perfect, perfect, Sign, signed it's, up. It's like a dating. <laughs> it's it's totally like dating when you're interviewing a candidate. Like they, yeah. they've got to know, do I want to stick to this relationship with you? And you've got to know yeah. the same thing. Is this, is this worth? And so yeah. each, each interview is like the second date, the third date, like you're getting to know each other more and more to know yeah. if it's, that's really what the UX hiring process is like, because people can be picky. Yeah. And they should be picky. That's the they thing. They should be. That's yes. Like, I mean, honestly, if it were all rock climbing, I've tried rock climbing. I was, um, <laughs> I'm five foot three and kind of old didn't go well. <laughs> not, not really my thing, more of a, you know, pedicures and, and coffee kind of girl. Um, but uh, yeah, like I, you, you want to know that, like you want to know that what the team is like, you know, what the, the organization is like. I mean, that's one of the reasons I like the apprentice idea so much is that you get to actually do the work and see. And I mean, I like the fact that it was considered a success that they became designers, you know, and you don't want the ones that, I mean, you, maybe you do, but like the, the ones that are like, no, I'd rather go work someplace else. It's like, you know what? Great. Maybe, maybe sometime in the future, we will work together again. And I think that's always sort of a nice way to leave things. Um, just because, you know, look, I put another designer out into the world. <laughs> I, I, I believe in design karma that way. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. No, those are, those are, those, these are amazing tips. And um, I just want to, that is all the time that we, that we have for today. Um, I have personally learned so much. So thank you. Um, but I want to, I want to thank uh, Emmy Southworth for joining us. Um, I also want to thank everybody out there listening. And I want to wish everybody the best of luck with, with your own search, whether it's for a new job or a new employee. I just want you to know I am rooting for you. <laughs>